Hi there. Thanks for downloading and listening. As we approach the end of the drawing of the three, it becomes even more important that we build up hype for the next season. Uh, we're getting into some really good stuff here in the series. So now is a great time to get people in and on board with uh, with the Dark Tower train and specifically with the show. So if you can, help spread the word on Twitter or by writing about it on a forum or any other social media, uh, sharing us on Facebook. Um, all of that helps tremendously. We, do, we don't pay to advertise the show, so it is really just your word of mouth that gets us around. Um, so yeah, just consider doing that. We would really appreciate it if you could. Now let's listen to the show. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books. My name is Cole Ross, and today I'm joined by Autumn Greer. Hey guys, how's it going? And by Patty Smith. Good evening. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, welcome back, both of you. We're we're rocking it three style this time. Um, we decided it was people with red hair only. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so there we go. We just we we decided to to, to put our flag down, make a stand. Um, yeah, and we're here to talk about the uh, the first part of the last book, the last section of uh, the drawing of the three, uh, the pusher. Uh, kind of uh, getting introduced to um, a, a very strange character in a book that has been full of them so far. Am I the only one that when I hear uh, the pusher instantly in my head, I think of the um, Curtis Mayfield Superfly song? Like oh. every time I read the pusher, I'm like, he's the pusher, baby. Like, <laughs> dung, I'm, dung, yes. dung. I, I'm your mama. I'm your daddy. And, and that, <laughs> yeah. that, that is that is as far as any. Yeah, that's as far <laughs> as I'm going to go in that song. No, you're you are absolutely <laughs> not alone in that autumn. That is a fantastic song. But uh, but yes, the pusher uh, carries a carries a different connotation. Than uh, that than we have here, which is uh, which is quite literally somebody who pushes. Uh, so so the, the the usual question both of you have been on before: what uh, what made you gravitate uh, to sign up for this particular section of the book? Well, for me, when you look at the series, you know you've read the Gunslinger. It's kind of a mystic thing. It's a guy on a quest. He's pulling these random people from the universe. And this section is where you start to realize that it might not be so random at all. Right. That these characters are connected in a different way. It's not just that, oh, they pulled a lady and he fell in love with her. There's <laughs> something else that is connecting everyone in this chapter. Yeah. There's, a, th th there's an intersection that is happening of something that cannot just be coincidence. Yeah. Patty, how about you? Literally the exact same thing. Thank you for saying those <laughs> words, because I don't need to say them now. Literally yeah. the exact same reason. Like this is where you start to see the wires, yeah, uh, the, the 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 beams connecting, for example. Yeah, uh, so you start to see things connect. It's it's cool. Things are things are coming together in this chapter. Yeah, and we get more of crazy debtor. So there's that. Oh, of course, yeah. We we get to see just how capable she is here. She's not just uh, you know struggling in a in, in a wheelchair for this. Like she is actually um, mm. a, a a real and present force of danger in this. That's surprising that on the ginger round table we all agree. Yeah. <laughs> are we are we a notoriously <laughs> uh, qu quarrelous bunch? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we have so much in common. Oh, true, true. 
<laughs> so, this is the drawing of the three gingerhead people. Of course. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we're going to meet that, that that strange character that I alluded to before is kind of a person who connects a lot of different people that we've already met so far is kind of this gross connective tissue in a way. Uh, so last time uh, we talked about Roland and Eddie uh, being boys on the beach. You know, they found what, their second door. <laughs> <laughs> they found their they found their second door, uh, and and from it they pulled a woman with two personalities, uh, one being Odetta Holmes, a kind and gentle person, the other being Detta Walker, um, who is violent, destructive, and uh, just 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 no, not very good news for them in terms of them being alive and and going on with their quest. So she attempted to kill them, and they tied her to the wheelchair and basically struggled up the beach as Roland got sicker and sicker and sicker until they collapsed. And then, conveniently, that is when Detta goes back to sleep and Odetta wakes up. Thank <laughs> so, God. <laughs> but it's like, we're trading one problem for the other because now, all of a sudden, the only person who knows what the fuck is going on is uh, we have, we've got to leave him behind, right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, so this... Uh, this opens up with another one of these interstitial chapters. This is the uh, the reshuffle. We're technically outside of the pusher right now, but this accounts for the majority of the uh, real estate that we're going to talk about in this particular episode. As you know, Eddie is pushing um, Odetta up the beach, trying to find the next door so he can basically, you know, that lateral thinking puzzle with the hen, the fox, and the corn. That's what that's what this is. Cole, I wrote one note for this episode, and that's the note. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's <laughs> so weird. Well, now it's my like... note about the cannibal and the boats and the priests um, trying to get them across is not a good note. Wait, is that is that seriously a, a, a variation of that? <laughs> I don't think that that is just another logic puzzle. You oh, know, you have the, the boat can only hold two people. How do you get them all across? Yeah. <laughs> well, in this case, we've got the, the nice lady, the mean lady, and the cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is what it boils down to. <laughs> I just uh, I, I want to take any opportunity we can to describe things as though we're five-year-olds. <laughs> it's the, it's the, it, it even happens in the book. Roland becomes the very bad man. God, it's like Professor Layton. This reminds me of a puzzle, Luke. Yeah. That'll be my next complaint. Not enough pictures. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the writing was too small. Big words. Mm, Not yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> so many of them. That's the thing. When they're so small, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> that is very strange that we both made the same observation, Patty. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of what they're dealing with. So this kind of interleaves uh, a couple of different things that are happening at once. Uh, cuts back and forth between Roland talking with Eddie, kind of telling him how he wants him to play this. And also Eddie's scenes with Odetta as they're going up the beach for the purposes of discussion. So we don't have to keep changing gears. I have actually disentangled these so we can just talk about what happened between Roland and Eddie and then just get to, you know, when Eddie and Odetta find the door. Is that agreeable? That's fine. Yeah. That, that would have got confusing. So let's talk about the discussion that Roland and Eddie have, because Roland has been trying to reiterate the very same information to him over and over again. Be on your guard. God damn it. And Eddie um, has no uh, he's 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 not listening. Right. So, like, what do you guys think no. of like the of, of the information that is kind of conveyed in this of like what this what this shows about Roland and Eddie's kind of like evolving relationship? Um, I think, like, 
I think Roland's still trying to teach him in the same way that I think he's trying to take the place of court, but for Eddie, you know, he's trying to be mm-hmm. his court. He's trying to teach him how to survive in this world. And I think he's he's intuited some stuff about Detta Odetta that, that Eddie won't can't comprehend exactly. I think Roland's trying to say, look, she's really dangerous, dude. Dude, 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 dude. <laughs> Boys on the beach, listen, yeah. I'm your boy. Please listen to me, boy. <laughs> you're, you're, he you're, doesn't. You're a boy. I'm a boy. This is a beach. Yeah. Woop, woop. Uh. <laughs> and Eddie has largely skated out of dangerous situations in his entire life. Like getting involved with Balthazar and everyone like that. It, 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 he hasn't had any real consequences. He hasn't been in real mortal peril aside from the shootout. And everything worked fine out fine there. You know, it was confusing. It was over. And now he thinks he's master of the world again, almost. Like, he has no conception of how bad Detta really is. Yeah. To, to be fair, if, if you got through a shootout like that, completely stark naked, like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's like right now, I don't know that I'm not actually immortal. I know I'm aging, but I mean, <laughs> who knows how long I could go. Oh, God, that is such a terrible combination. Normal aging, but immortality. I'm just hoping that my mutant powers come out soon, you know, mm, yeah. mid 30s. I mean, there's still hope, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hope for some kind of catastrophe that brings that brings out a secondary mutation. <laughs> <sighs> That's a thing in X-Men, right? I've only read the Grant Morrison books. Um, hmm. But yeah, like Eddie either cannot see because he is Jeff, he is Jeff Bridges fearless or uh, he is choosing not to see exactly how dangerous things are to the point where when when uh, Roland gives him one of the guns, he says, OK, um, yeah, uh, like this will be good for when the cats show up because they've been hearing uh, ma- like, you know, mountain lions off in the distance. Like, no, this isn't for the cats, man. You Like you have to brain her if Detta comes back because like she could derail all of this. I my favorite too is the Roland is telling Eddie over and over again, "Don't give her the gun. I need you to promise me you're not going to give. No, don't give her the gun." And Eddie's like, "Yeah, whatever, whatever." Sure. She, what's hilarious is, I mean, we're, we're 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 jumping ahead. She doesn't even ask for it. She doesn't want it, but he still she, does. She tries to say, "I don't want the gun. Just give me some rocks." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally echoing what Roland says. Give her some rocks. She's like, "Give me some rocks." I'm going to give you this gun. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, come on, man. Letting the boys on the beach down. Oh, man. Giving it like, and Eddie's like, oh, rocks, rocks against one of these cats. Again, just not, not getting it at all, you know? (laughs) And, and he even says like, hey, or Roland even says like, yeah, this isn't for the bugger, man, which is pretty funny. Um, Not for the cats, not for the lobstrosities. Like, don't do this. And Eddie, like again, just being ever defiant, he's like, "Oh, you, well, you, what are you? You're, you're forgetting something." Every time Henry did did this, he told me to grow up. So this this again is just everybody's got their baggage. And it really calls out how much scarier Roland's world is because you know here we have the boogeyman. What does he do? He probably scary dances with you. And yeah, there, well, they, like you said, they have the bugger man, which I can't imagine he's doing anything real fun. Yeah, uh, no, no. Um, <laughs> I think there's specific legislation about that in the UK. Um, <laughs> Gilly, Gilead sucks. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, yeah, I, I I highlighted the bugger man thing because that is just a, a a funny turn of phrase to me, and uh, you know. 
<laughs> so with this in hand you say bugger man i mean bugger it, it, it means something over here oh it's, uh, it, it definitely does but it's also just a fun thing to say when you're having when you're, something's gone a little bit wrong and oh. you're washing up and you drop a plate you're like oh bugger yeah like it's just a fun like so i'm picturing when i hear bugger man i i just see some just clumsy bloke <laughs> stumbling around knocking things over I go, bugger, <laughs> bugger. bugger. Is is that a, a kind of a catch-all, a catch-all epithet or exclamation? Uh, like Definitely. like we would say, "Fuck!" If I dropped a plate, yeah. I would scream, "Fuck!" Okay, bugger, bollocks, yeah. ass. Yeah. You know, general. Just, just keep doing swears for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so so the monster in Gilead is more of a George George Carlin fuck bit. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a really multi-purpose yeah. um, scary guy. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 seven monsters who can't be on TV. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and and like like I said, this is interleaved. Um, uh, the, 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 these different scenes, we get a little bit of uh, Eddie and Odetta, then we get a little bit of Eddie and Roland. Uh, let's jump to what is happening in the in the present. Something that's not there with Eddie just gliding down the beach with Odetta and them kind of getting closer. Um, I'll lead with something here uh, and, and see how you, how you two feel about it. It feels, it felt a little bit too pat um, initially on a couple of my read throughs that, um, the, that Eddie and Odetta would just fall in love with each other like that. Going back through and looking at this with a fine tooth comb and just like seeing the exact language that is used, I think it actually ends up feeling pretty good. There are some nice passages that kind of describe their kind of mutual human need outside of just like, hey, let's let's screw kind of thing. Like it it definitely feels a little bit different. How did that relationship feel for feel feel feel, feel for you guys? Hmm. hmm. Like, I mean, my first um, read of it is it, it is a bit of, like you say, I found it a bit too quick and a bit too, I am loving you now. Like, you know, <laughs> Star Wars, no, you wouldn't, Cole. You know, Star <laughs> Wars, uh, Padme and Anakin in the, in the prequel trilogies, how they're just like, I am loving you with loving heart of love. Yeah. We love each other now. Like that was, it was too quick and it was a bit too ham handed. And <laughs> it, this isn't as bad. Because that is just terrible. Right. Don't, don't watch that bit if you watch Star Wars, Cole. I know you love it. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it's a little bit too much. But I'm, I, I consider myself a man's man. I don't like the love bits in books. I like the shooting bits and the lobsters. Yeah. I'm not really here for that bit. And I know it's part <laughs> of the story. But I'm, 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 I'm here for, for guns and boys on beaches. Yes. Yeah. All this. <laughs> All that I could picture when they were talking about how, you know, with her helping, the wheelchair was just gliding. It really reminded me of Titanic. Like, she was Rose, like, up on the front of the boat. Like, I'm king of the world, you know? Eddie's, she's got her arms out, and they're just, you know, wind in their hair. <laughs> just, I had a real Titanic vibe from it. Just both of them just gully, just running up the beach. Whee! Yeah. <laughs> Look at us go! Eddie's jumping up on the on the back crossbar like he's a like he's a kid who's uh, pushing a shopping cart and then standing on it as it goes. Yeah, it it even makes sense because Odetta is rich and you know Eddie would be in steerage. Mm, yeah, I didn't even think about that class dynamic. <laughs> well, they, they better watch out for that small rock sticking out from the beach. Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> left, right, left. They're doing the wheelchair slalom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It um. 
it's it's a little bit muddy because as it's presented in the book, it does feel very, very fast. But I like I don't know how much time passes in this is the thing because they start talking about Eddie's hair growing out and him growing a beard. So over the course of a couple of chapters, it feels very quick. But I I honestly don't know how much time they like they, they they've got with each other. Yeah, you're probably right. Like in the the original shuffle chapter, that takes over what a couple of weeks, doesn't it? Yeah, like it takes time, and there's nothing to say this doesn't take time as well. Yeah, um, yeah a bit poorly defined times, but it's time is one of those awkward things in this yeah. sort of series, isn't it? Like it could have been there for a month. Who knows? <laughs> Although Detta and Odetta haven't been eating, so it couldn't be that long. Shit. True. Yeah. But well, I that guess take... they really do just love each other at first sight. Then I guess it is real. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I even wrote down these notes, and I still, I still fall for that trap. Fuck. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the food thing because we're starting, to, we're starting to see kind of her come apart at the seams too. Like there's this scene where like we we find the story that Ode- that Odetta's telling herself about why she hasn't been eating. It's the fact that all they have is lobster. And it reminds her of a bad experience she had with scallops. I love that. I really like this. And I <laughs> I think this actually links a little bit to Detta as well. Maybe maybe she did have a bad time with scallops once. She did eat them and she bathed them all up once. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that has imprinted onto Detta why she won't eat. That you know, helps why she won't eat. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe, huh. maybe it's unrelated. But I, I sort of picked up on that as being maybe another sort of background detail uh in the whole non-eating issue i didn't consider that it might have that 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 one might have fed into the other that this might mm. be true i mean also you know debt is all very you know fuck you no but of course that yeah. helps maybe yeah because <laughs> yeah. she has the mind of a child it could uh it, it could be both yeah could be both i kind of got a weird vibe from this with some of the language like i think when she's looking at eddie and she's like do you remember how hard i tried to keep it down i kind of got for anybody that's read the stand a weird rita blakemore vibe like that that was who odetta's kind of trying to pretend to be with her Mm. act with um the 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 fancy lady kind of act like it seemed like that weird rita blakemore language like oh eddie with the sparkling rings like (laughs) our um whichever yeah, character Larry, it was Larry, yeah. yeah but um i tried not to throw up i mean i just remember that scene from the stand oh, very vividly yeah, and I, yeah. I don't think that that's a spoiler but um it's weird that that's what her mind would go to as the excuse like oh i was trying so hard to be polite but i just couldn't could i <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> these, these accommodations are just, are just so barbaric <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i i had forgotten about that scene and i just re- i just re-listened to the stand too Hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that book. That is a that is a very good book. Um, but you're right. Like I didn't I didn't read any any like malice into Odetta's Odetta's approach. But from like what we know about <laughs> from what we know about, let's say Odetta's relationship with herself after the events of this book, that's probably very much in the in the cards, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. I don't know. I just I, I love the way that they that they make up the stories to try and protect the uh, the shared lie between the two of them, right? Because like there there's also there's also a thing like she is afraid of Roland because Detta's afraid of Roland, right? You know, part of the reason why Detta is you know working so hard to make their life difficult and try and get revenge, and you know why things 
come to a head later on is because Detta is angry at Roland for invading her mind, right? But then you look at this and Detta, or sorry, Odetta is um, is is terrified of Roland, not just because Detta is terrified, but because she is remembering Roland being really pissed off and yelling at Detta. Like during their time, she she is making him this thing that Roland is shouting just because he's mean, not because she herself is taunting him. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't pick that up, but yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, it's just another another thing hmm. that uh, that doesn't line up, right? It it hmm. is strange that they she would have those impressions. Like it it, it does seem like somehow she is a little bit conscious of all of this because that's how I mean she has to witness some of it to fix that narrative it really does show right. how hard she's trying if she has those vague impressions yeah. that she is reshaping <laughs> mm. perhaps now they've had that... that moment at the door where they've kind of had the flash where they saw each other for a moment maybe that's causing some a more bleed than usual maybe i mean the it's it's mentioned i think in the previous chapter that um the act of kind of being pulled or the act of having their mind invaded kind of set odetta and detta kind of against each other a little bit more like it is, it is mentioned as kind of this inciting event, a little bit like uh, being hit with the brick was. And it's this is probably a little bit on the nose for uh, the title of the chapter, but um, man, she sure is reshuffling those events in her head, isn't she? Zing. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so they get down the beach, and this is where their emotional bonding gets into uh, a, a little bit sappy territory. You know, they're they're sitting on the beach. She has finally started eating. She loves the lobstrosity. It's the best thing. Wouldn't it be delicious with some caviar? Um, and <laughs> Eddie loses his shit. He's wondering, like, oh, where was I? You know, like, what have I been doing, doing in my life? You know, like this, you know, just basically feeling like everything up till now has been a waste or something along those lines. Uh, why did he suddenly feel so grimy and abysmally beshitted? I love that line. And then we get the single sentence, one chapter sex scene, which is later with strange galaxies turning in slow gavotte overhead. Gavotte is a kind of dance. I had to look that up. Okay, cool. Thank <laughs> uh, you. Turning in slow gavotte overhead. Uh, neither thought the act of love, of love had been so sweet, so full. And so there we go. It's constant. I mean, I'm happy they spent one sentence on that and moved on. Yep. <laughs> I've, I've read enough awkward sex scenes in books like just, yeah, we get it. Yep. Just make it, make it, make it short and sweet. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a little bit put off when, because um, it just reminded me, like I'm, I literally, like this is a Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson song when he talked about um, how Eddie was as white as a dove's breast, and I mean, I am fair, I am yeah. very fair, but nobody's, I don't look like a dove's breast. I mean, I'm <laughs> alabaster, and when I get a tan, I'm more eggshell, but <laughs> I mean, I just can't imagine Eddie is that fair. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just speaking of like bisexuation stuff. It reminded me of uh, this the scene in uh, Shaft when the when the when the white uh, when the white officer uh, uh, holds up a black coffee cup and says to Shaft, "Oh, you don't look so black to me." And Shaft holds up a white coffee cup and says, "Yeah, well, you don't look white." And, like it was, <laughs> yeah, just like doing this comparison. It's like, huh? Yeah, for for some reason that brought it to mind. Yeah, I could have done without the her brown hand on on his white but I, I i i thought it was funny too that when he did that cheesy line to her like well we both looked gray in the dark and i'm like she just called you a gray meat for an entire chapter 
like, <laughs> like, why are you thinking that? Like, she was talking about you and Roland pulling each other's candles, and then you're like, God, we're both so gray. Yeah. Just like she said. Like, ooh. yeah. And then there's also a line like when they're about ready to part ways, she says, oh, I've never slept with a with, with, with a white man before. And then he says, well, you know, it doesn't you know, if it doesn't matter to me, it doesn't matter to you. Like it just it just whatever. Let's just forget it. You know, they they, they just kind of cast it off. And I, like, again, we're back into that problem of these past couple chapters. I don't I feel very uncomfortable and unqualified to talk about the racial dynamics of this. I don't know if I don't know if it's uncomfortable because it is poorly handled or if it's just you know, generalized white anxiety about this stuff. It's very, mm. it's very difficult to, for, for, for me to, to know if, if where, from whence the insensitivity and uncomfortable, uncomfortableness comes from. Yeah. I think it comes from Stephen King. Yeah, there we go. Let's blame it on yeah, him. Um, <laughs> Off the hook. Yeah, there we are. So Jeez. we can just, let, let's, let's lean into it and make it that. I think that is about as, far as it goes but let's be fair as red-headed people we are the whitest of white (laughs) i just like to picture 80 stephen king sitting down and writing this and thinking that he was so woke like he was (laughs) like wow I'm, I am really, I am really getting it on race. I am good. Oh man, ba- I just, you think like, he did a dab? <laughs> did, yep, just uh, just dropped his head, raised his hands, dab it kept up. The pen, yeah. Kept the pen in his hand and just sort of swished underneath. Him. Yeah, he's like, I, I'm the most progressive guy I know. Yeah, and it's it's funny because if you look at Stephen King, kind of kind of throughout like you know with accepting some of his tendencies like say to put a magical black person in his in his books kind of being one of the one of the prime offenders of that particular trope in general he's very progressive socially right like he he's always been uh you know a, a vocal critic of like conservative governments and you know just kind of talking about you know just kind of things related to things like social justice again ring a bell you know, it has to be on every one of these shows. Um, it's very strange to look at this and determine that maybe it's just of its time. And he was of his time then, too. I don't How know. How old was he when he wrote these these initial few books? <sighs> um, he was 19 when he started the first one. This came out in 87. I think he began writing it in 84. Um, so I, don't, I forget when he when he did this. But he had to have been at least like 30 at the, at this okay. point yeah so that would be a 30 35 something like that which is which is old enough mm. yeah and like you say maybe it's, it's of its time as well like um perceptions and what is an okay you know what what is good and what is not good to say have definitely shifted as we've yeah. gone down the years yeah um yeah oh watch out eggshells <laughs> hang on <laughs> sorry yeah. Well, yeah. I think you can see that, like, some, there's sometimes when I rewatch series, like, the very first couple seasons of The Office and stuff, where it, it, they, they make some jokes, and I guess at the time they were still funny, but even in just seven or eight years, the tone of them is not, yeah. it's laughing at someone and not with someone. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, in a lot of ways, that kind of language does move on, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah move on. I see what you did there. Yeah. I didn't see what I did there, so That's now good. I'm extra delighted. <laughs> Way better than my reshuffle yeah. pond. <laughs> um, it, it's even crazier. Like if you go back and watch um, um, TV series from the '90s, um, especially like Friends. Friends gets really, really gnarly with yeah, some of this stuff. Uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, things change, and so it's you know it's it's worth noting that somebody who is reading these books, 
you know, now, like if you're reading along with the show, you're probably going to notice, you know, the the brown skin on white. Making a note of that feels very strange when at the time it probably, you know, <laughs> who knows how, how far he was ahead of the curve or behind it even. But it's, you know, it, it might not have this conversation might not have been had at that point by as many people as it is now. There we I go. Think- I think at that time, everybody was so busy worrying that Murphy Brown was a single mother on television. And- <laughs> so scandalous. Uh, what is that doing to the fabric of our mor- the morality in our country? Exactly. Uh. <laughs> so, so there we go. Let's, let, let's put that to bed. For, for the rest of the series, um, Eddie and um, Susanna Naodetta are partners. And they, you know, have a very strong relationship with each other. And the difference in their race only comes up um, pretty much never. It's more about Eddie being naive or being, you know, poor than anything else. Their relationship moves on to the point where he gives her a gun that he shouldn't. Mm, Yeah. Thank you for helping us move on. So, so, um, Odetta sees the door before Eddie does well before again, he remarks that her eyes must be better even than Roland's are. Um, so again, you know, we've drawn another gunslinger. She, you know, she's got this, this is her test, even though Roland isn't there and they get there and it doesn't budge. Right. So now we are, here we are. We're on one side of the river. Uh, we've got the chicken over here. Um, and, uh, we've got the Fox still in the, uh, I, I I didn't think this through, but yeah, we, we, and we've got a gun. Yeah, we, we've we've got a gun, and Eddie, um, against against Roland's advice and uh, against Odetta's, uh, let's say, protest, decides to leave the gun with her, thinking that you know he would not be able to live with himself if uh, anything happened to her. But she doesn't. She's the chicken in this scenario, isn't she? She's currently the helpless chicken. Maybe if a wolf comes, she's done. Yeah, I th- I think so. Except, what if the chicken? So Eddie left the corn with the chicken, and mm. the chicken <laughs> turned into an evil chicken and took the corn up into into oh, the like hills, a, and, like an eagle or a vulture or something. Yeah, yeah. Tur- turned into an it turned into a vulture and went up into the hills and fashioned some kind of corn gun. <laughs> a piece of bamboo, just yeah. shooting them out. <laughs> yeah. Um, She's afraid. Either way, bad move, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, ah, uh, you know he, he he's in love. You know it's uh, it doesn't make any sense, but he's in love. Um, he's had the customs from his time. <laughs> she's you been a, she's been Odetta for at least ten minutes. It's but it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. It's uh everything's <laughs> going to be okay. That that chapter is behind us. Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> now Odetta's got a gun. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> again she doesn't want it she doesn't want to touch anything that roland has because you know uh she believes that like her ma says uh it has a hoodoo on it mm. also that's how i feel about stuff when anyone yells at me i'm like i don't want to touch his stuff yeah no he yelled at me he's gonna yell at me again <laughs> he'll know i touched it yeah <laughs> he'll, know. It. he'll know <laughs> so this leads to eddie <laughs> running 30 miles back to Roland. It's been on, established. Son. Yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, person who has recently dealt with, uh, uh, substance abuse and withdrawal. Why don't you run uh, a, a marathon and change back to somebody who's going to be really upset with you that you gave away the fucking gun. I, I hope that he, when he comes back, he's at least going to have one of those 26.2 stickers on the wheelchair or something, you know? 
maybe two <laughs> since he runs back. Like, because how, how else do you celebrate a marathon like that? Yeah, just a lobstrosity comes up and slaps it on there and goes, yeah. data, data grats. And if then, nobody and then knows, did you really run it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a solitary pursuit of perfection, as John Hodgman, as John Hodgman would say. You, you, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it for the right for the recognition. <laughs> he's he's pushing the damn wheelchair as well, which has yeah. been established. Is big. <laughs> yep, it's big and heavy. <laughs> it's big. It's got wheels, but it's still a job. Like, dude. Like, I mean, I I know you want to get back to the whole boys on the beach scene, but you don't need to run, yeah. dude. Like. <laughs> So I just I, I like so the, 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 there is a non comedic angle to this, which is Eddie might just like is it's never stated, but like it putting myself in his in his point of view, like he's imagine being terrified that your only your only lifeline through this world had died of fever while you were gone over the days that you left him alone. Like mm. <laughs> Eddie is stuck in between two people who are. Oh wow, huh? He's stuck in between two people who people who are incredibly vulnerable, who need protection. Eddie's sole role in life over the past several years has been to keep different people together. This is his this is his version of hell, stretching himself to try and make sure nobody gets hurt on his watch. Yeah, I totally. Yeah. Like he's he's not just racing to right, he's racing to keep them both alive, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the picture that they that they paint. You know, covered in sweat, his his hair overgrown. He's got this beard, uh, the the crotch of his pants blown out. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, son. <laughs> have you, Cole, Cole, I need to know. Have you ever run so fast that your you, your pants split in the middle? No. Have you ever run so fast? Because I've never run that fast. No, I've. I mean, I've I, I've I've worn down like you know the the like the cuffs of jeans by you know running in them and stuff but never never blown out a crotch yeah i've, I've blown out plenty of knees by yeah. sliding on the floor and doing pretend air guitar like right, we've yeah. all done that yeah <laughs> doing your, your jack black power slides yeah exactly exactly <laughs> sometimes you've got to go somewhere but not tall <laughs> but, but not on your feet yeah, yeah you might <laughs> but have i i really like the contrast because he left like before he ran his first marathon like post-coital bliss and then as soon as he gets to roland roland's like did you give her the gun what the hell <laughs> that's the first thing he says you gave her the gun and he yeah. and he goes through this whole thing he's like showing him bullets like let me show you in detail how you screwed up yeah. you see this bullet right here <laughs> like, i mean he has this whole like object lesson on how eddie fucked up <laughs> he tears him apart it's like, it's like Cyrano de Bergerac. Like, let me show you exactly how you fucked us. Like, he's willing to waste precious bullets just to really like grind on him. That, I mean, that happens later when they're when they're um, by the door and he knows that Dead is watching. Eddie Eddie still believes that uh, that Dead is out there and has been eaten whole by a mountain lion. But Roland just just saying like, hey, let me let me tell you what I did with your gun. Here's mine. <laughs> Shoots it in the air. It fires. I put the bad bullets in this one and the good ones in yours. She has. <laughs> six shots on us and she could fire them at any time you it piece. reminds me yeah. it reminds me of the the melissa mccarthy uh sean spicer bit from saturday night live <laughs> do i have to get the dolls oh she's a treasure <laughs> yeah her and he pulls out a barbie with no legs <laughs> over there and throws it across the crowd yeah oh gosh and she's got a vulture's <laughs> corn gun um <laughs> Yeah, they're a good match. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> but yeah, there, there, there's a wonderful just kind of like mic drop. You know, Eddie's like, oh, you, you, you gave her the gun. You gave her the gun. Is that all you have to say? Roland says, I feel like I've said everything that I need to say. <laughs> I've said what's important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Roland being ever resourceful tells Eddie to sleep, even though Eddie desperately wants to go back and, you know, be uh, be sure that the person he loves is safe. So now we've got to go the entire 30 miles again. Compared to Odetta, pushing Roland was like pushing a load of iron bars is what we like, have here. So I mean, they say he's a bit heavier, but he can't be 100 pounds heavier. I always picture Roland as being leaner than that. Maybe with the out the well, he has legs. Hmm. True. A hundred pounds of legs? I don't know how much legs weigh. Uh, That's a lot of legs. I mean, if you take like wrestling, like the wrestler, the big show mm. is like 300 pounds and he's a big boy. Yeah. And his legs would be a hundred pounds. That's a lot of leg. Yeah. That, yeah. Roland is always described as being a, uh, like a, like a wiry, uh, uh, Clint Eastwood kind of type, right? Um, I, mm. I actually just Googled this. Um, okay. a leg is about 17.5% of your body weight. So for a 150 pound person, uh, a leg weighs about 26 pounds. Hmm. You gotta Maybe th- got back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you, got, you yeah. gotta think, though, that it, that, that uh, every little bit makes a difference. And also, Roland doesn't know how to navigate like like uh, like Odetta does. Yeah, and he, he is probably dead dying weight, what with that fever and all. Yeah, yeah. I mean... And not really pushing, yeah. <laughs> it cannot be um, understated or overstated just how close to death's door um, they are. Almost literally, as they get to the door That's itself. <laughs> <laughs> as they get to the door itself and find out that Odetta is gone. Oh. That that works on, like, every level, Cole. That's amazing. <laughs> it was It was accidental, but I decided to roll with it. I decided to <laughs> roll with it. So, death's door. Roland, from the prophecy, expects that the door... Um, will be labeled. Okay, this is death. We had the we had the prisoner, the Lady of Shadows, and death as per Walter's uh, kind of instructions. Uh, however, this one is labeled the pusher. Sorry, well, you, can't it's... Start, you, you have to have the. That you can't say the death. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it could be the little death. I don't know, but. <laughs> But uh, but yes, uh, Roland tries to puzzle out its meaning while Eddie uh, doesn't want to help him. He doesn't want to go through the door with him. Uh, he wants to find Odetta, right? <sighs> so, and this leads into a kind of long argument section. Is there anything important from that that, I'm, that, that I've left out because I kind of went, went beyond it? I think the takeaway is just that uh, Eddie is stubborn. Mm. like is there any point at which like any of you guys thought yeah odette has been taken by a wild animal did any of you think that at any point because it's like yeah that's not what's happened obviously it it seemed like that little kid thinking where you're like well maybe a bird flew out of the sky and poked out (laughs) one of her eyes and then she fell down i mean he was making these elaborate schemes for how she could have died yeah hmm yeah, he's thinking like, oh, she could have crawled up, but then got exhausted or fell into a thing. Like he's he's covering every single angle, like almost doing a little bit like um like like Detta and Odetta did to avoid eating or to justify why they avoided eating. Oh, I'm not going to eat that piece because you poisoned it. Well, I'll take a bite of this part. Well, you poison the other end. Like nothing is actually convincing him. Yeah. Are you trying to say self delusion is sexually transmitted, Cole? <laughs> Because I'm into it. <laughs> this is called marriage. Waka waka waka. 
Oh man. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that's dumb. Um, that was a, that was a dumb thing I said. One thing that I thought kind of ties all of this together, cause you know, there's the, been the big thing with, um, card metaphors throughout all of this, but I was kind of thinking, cause you know, we, we start off and we've got Roland who's pushing all these people to get to the tower. Um, so he's getting them hooked on that drug. Mm-hmm. We've got, um, Eddie who's replaced his drugs with being addicted to Odetta. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know, I mean, addicts don't make good decisions like, as I, I was even thinking, like, because there is that um, Steppenwolf song, The Pusher, <laughs> and there's a, that line in there, um, let's see, the dealer is a man with the love grass in his hand, oh, but the pusher is a monster, good God, he's not a natural man. It just huh. seemed, um, I don't know, like, the whole book could really be a metaphor for drugs, like forgetting mm-hmm. things, altered realities, um, we start with drugs all the way throughout it. Um, so maybe this is less of a card game book and more of a, a drug book. It's um, it's all but underlined in conversations between Roland and Eddie. You know, to, uh, Eddie's telling Roland, oh, you're, you know, you're a junkie or a different kind of junkie. You know, your junk is the tower. Yeah. Right? And they, they start off with the um, cops at the beginning with Eddie saying that those guys, their drug is busting guys like Eddie. But it mm-hmm. seems like drugs run throughout the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, there's even there's even a line that takes that a step further and then transfers it over. Like, you know, when they when they finally come to some kind of conclusion and they realize there's no sense even trying to convince each other. Um, Roland says, oh, Eddie, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to argue anymore. There's no there's no sense arguing with a fool. And he's like, well, so nobody's tried to argue with you about the tower. And yeah. Roland says something along the lines of it's exactly because people tried to argue argue with me about that, that I'm not going to argue with you about this. Yeah. And Roland's chasing the tower right now, but he's also seeking drugs. He needs his Keflex. He needs mm-hmm. his Aston, his meat things. Yep. You know, so Roland's chasing <laughs> actual drugs as well. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And then mapping this in uh, in Stephen King's life as well. He's the yeah. pusher. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you say drugs. I mean, it could. I mean, everyone has a hobby, right? Yeah. Yeah. A preoccupation <laughs> and obsession. You, you yeah. know, we actually meet someone in just a minute that has a really great hobby. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's an amateur <laughs> lepidopterist. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Dead has been watching um, up from the drawers, right, um, up there in the in the, in the foothills. Um, I love when we get to one of Dead's sections because we can tell just by looking at the page because it's unbroken paragraphs. Um, very few even sentences it is just stream of consciousness as, you know, she's having – this conversation with herself that is intermingled with a nar- with a narrative or the narration. Yeah. Pretty good. She's explaining it all to herself yeah. in her brain to try and to formulate <laughs> maybe a plan or to kind of observe um, because she's quite clever. Yes. Like, m- like viciously clever. So she's, she's taking in what's going on. Yeah. She's trying to work out what she's going to do with them and she's going to see what, which way they, you know, which way they fall so she can then adjust her strategy to them so she's kind of talking it in her own head um about you know eddie and the capital letters really bad man yes the really bad man um and, and they this probably is... said his name at this point but what's that <laughs> they've probably said his name to her as oh, yeah, at some yeah. point but now nah, really bad man that's yeah. you she uh she she thinks in archetypes yeah yeah, this is also where we get the, the 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 section where we get her motivation. Right, she wants she wants revenge for the the invasion into her mind. Yeah, is, um, she would she would really like to break Roland's for special plate. Yes, very much so. 
Um, so this is also where we get the uh, where we get the gunfire, which he did. Also, so Detta would know <laughs> that they have a loaded gun with them as well. She she intuits that. Uh, while Eddie is just thinking, oh, this is this is the man trying to make a point to me. Um, and Roland goes to the door and Eddie is left waiting, but deadly, deadly tired. Um, again, another one of these ticking clocks that is going down. Uh, you know, the, the the sun is setting, the lobstrosity is coming. Uh, Roland's fever progressing. Um mm. You know, all of these things are drawing to a head um, and just the uh, it's a real Neymar on Elm Street kind of thing, like trying to stay awake. Mm. <laughs> and he has can. just walked 90 miles altogether. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of the poor man. <laughs> it, it really shows what a worthy adversary Detta is, because, you know, when we went to Tull, like Roland in the first book, Roland was clipping people with single bullets. And I mean, he didn't have the scarcity of bullets. And we've already seen him spend an Eddie bullet about data we've seen him firing this bullet about data i mean he's willing to waste some bullets when she's not around just to show how like yeah i guess dangerous she is you know yeah he he <laughs> he, he more than anybody else is aware of what that bullet could have done you know for their for their good yeah yeah so these next two chapters uh take place over roughly the same time um the, again the, the 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 time is kind of interleaved in a pretty cool way uh but this takes us into chapter one of the pusher um don't worry these are not incredibly long like that that was a very very long interstitial section we just went through but this chapter is called bitter medicine and this is where we get introduced to the pusher himself to death but not for you one jack mort uh really hitting it on the nose with the name there a little bit you know it's uh yeah <laughs> there's very little about him that's subtle um and the his his role uh, in kind of the cosmology of this uh, as agents of kings of a certain, uh, l l let's say a certain color of red is, uh, is, is something that again, is, it is, it is Ka working. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's will over all of this, but as it stands, we have Roland entering this person's mind and seeing that, you know, this person is about to push Jake Chambers in front of a car. Oops. <laughs> yeah pick it i mean what a time yeah. yeah hey why does that name sound familiar huh <laughs> oh jake you mean the little boy from uh the from the first <laughs> from the first book who went who came to roland's world by being pushed in front of a car dying and then who roland let drop so he could get to his tower no that's not the one i'm thinking of no. um mm. oh you mean the jake chambers from boise yeah okay <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah so <laughs> <laughs> Roland immediately, you know, um, in instinct takes over and he comes forward right away. He doesn't even attempt to to negotiate with Jack Moore. He just stops the action from from taking place. He stops the push. Right. Which ends up being a mm. really big deal for the next book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like this could have just been a trick on the man in black's part. Right. Like, oh, here we are. He weaseled out of it. This could have been Walter's last last uh, joke to you know, make Roland responsible for the initial death that led to the other death. Like, again, this is a this is a hall of mirrors. And Roland kind of pulls back and then the the character Jack Mort is so pissed. <laughs> I, I, I like that my, my dude loves pushing so much that he's like, well, I'm just going to push some other people on my way out. Push her. Push this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just going to throw a push tantrum. He's like, I, I love to push. What can I say? Yeah. Um, Jack Mort is just cartoonishly evil, um, in a way that is weirdly even more cartoonish than Detta, 
than, than, than Detta is because she has, strangely enough, like a motivation and kind of a, a causality behind her. Whereas Jack Mort, um, he, he kills just for fun, right? As he, as he's having his bush fit, you know, he, somebody, somebody raises a fit and there's a wonderful little description. I just, just, this kind of sends chills down my spine. You know, he, he just walks, walks past her, right? An amateur lepidop, uh, lepidopterist, uh, a butterfly collector, uh, would have taken no more notice of a common butterfly. Jack was in his way, much like an amateur lepidopterist. He was by profession, a CPA pushing was only his hobby. It kills for no reason, but for fun. Mm. See, my, my vision of him, like my, my thing, have you, uh, in Sin City, Elijah Wood's character. Yeah. With the glasses you can't quite see through. That's what I think of him looking like, detached, sort of quiet in his way, but very, mm-hmm. very dangerous. Yeah. Quietly. Small, unnoticeable. Yeah. Yeah, because they're just, uh, just quietly threatening because his coworkers are afraid of him too, but they don't know why. <laughs> like, like Roland notices this when he when he looks through his eyes and sees that. It's funny that you say that, Patty, because in the comic book adaptation, that is exactly how how Jack Mort is portrayed with his oh, really? uh, with his glasses kind of becoming these white panes, like the reflection is always in front of his eyes. Mm, so you can't you can't see what he's thinking. Ooh, Ooh yeah, obstruction. Ooh, it's Ooh. a <laughs> it, it is it is a a stylistic choice. So. um <laughs> Autumn, what, what do you think of Jack Moore? No, but how he's portrayed, what kind of guy he is? It's it's hard not to think of every serial killer trope that you've seen in popular media. Like if the, I mean, we see a little bit later that he saves his clippings. He's got a murder book. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a giant um, Blake painting on his back, like a full red dragon. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, again, like I said, he. he he loves to push. Uh, yeah. There's a point where Roland's going back and looking through his memories where we start to see that stuff is really, really connected. Yeah, because uh, Roland is very uncomfortable in Jack Mort's mind. He describes it as being in a room filled with worms as opposed to a room full of snakes, like being in Detta's mind. But he looks back and it turns out that Jack Mort is the one who dropped a brick on young Odetta Holmes, thus creating Detta um, himself. Right. Uh, just cartoon evil. Yeah. Like his um his uh, his method was, you know, he dresses in baggy shirts uh to hide the wet spot on his jeans because he immediately orgasms when he death charges somebody, drops um drops a brick on them and then, you know, knows how to get away by acting like a vagrant and he has this um you know, <laughs> he has this thing in his head uh about being a do be or a don't be. Which you, is a, that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Do you do that's you guys like remember kids? <laughs> do you guys remember that? Did, did either of you read um, Misery? Because that was a big thing that Annie Wilkes always said: is don't be a don't be, do yeah. be a do be. That was a big thing throughout that book. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I'm not sure if that is something from outside of Stephen King's kind of collected works. Like if, if if that is a thing for media, because it does sound like something a kindergarten teacher would say to yeah, like a, a, a goofus like and gallant from High Life magazine or something. Yeah, um, see, I can't, I can't see. You probably wouldn't get this, but uh, we had a TV show uh, in England called Stop It and Tidy Up, uh, which was a, a an animation show for kids, and all the creatures in it were named after things parents would say to kids, like okay. stop it. And tidy up and there were two beats <laughs> called be quiet and behave and then i'm reading this and i can't get be quiet and behave out of my head <laughs> was that the show that came on right after the the bugger man cartoon hour oh god 
Jeez. <laughs> Things parents say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that that might even be a thing. You know, people's parents, you know, they shout expletives. It's fine. So it's, it's, it's perfectly normal. Yeah. It just, it like the, the doobie don't be thing lends just a little bit of childish sinisterness to his calculation, right? Take only acceptable risks, minimize those which remain, be a doobie in all things. Like there's also a comparison, like, uh, in the next episode, we're going to talk about, uh, <laughs> how ridiculous it is that Roland, the consummate improviser, uh, is inhabiting the mind of somebody who meticulously plans things over years and years and sticks to them. Yeah, he's got a real Dexter thing going. Like the preparation that he does is such a part of his his ritual, his becoming. <laughs> you, you know? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, the link here as well. I mean, his, his name's Jack. Like, there's another famous Jack that killed a bunch of people and didn't really get caught, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's laying on pretty thick. <laughs> <laughs> He's also got like a little bit of a, it's like Kafka from Final Fantasy VI. Like, I'm just going to read this. I know I've read a lot of a, a lot of uh, excerpts in this episode, but I like, think there's plenty of good stuff. But like, he's got this kind of cosmic justification. Uh, what mattered was the thing which pushed change into the ordinary course of things and sculpted new lines in the flow of lives. And perhaps the destinies not only of those struck, but of a widening circle around them, like ripples from a stone tossed into a still pond. Who was to say that he had not sculpted the cosmos today or might not at some future time? So, that... I mean, that is right, though. <laughs> yeah, he's right. He's right, but for the wrong reasons. He's dead on. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he did. Yeah. I mean, well done. Yeah, I dude. guess. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's uh, like megalomania. He sees himself as uh, unto a god. He, uh, Everybody around him is, uh, is, is just something on which he can exert his will, you know? That, that kind of makes it more satisfying that, um, I mean, he thinks he's like that. And <laughs> Roland just pops up on him because, I mean, he, Roland's on a real quest for some real cosmic shit. Yeah. And <laughs> um, Jack's just a passenger. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. I think it's really interesting that Roland either didn't have the opportunity uh, because maybe he was so surprised to see Jake Chambers, but we didn't see Roland kind of rifling around in people's minds like this before. Like no. something about maybe seeing Jake, Roland is just ruthless. Yeah. Like he, he's going back through this guy's memories, making judgments, and we just didn't see it to that degree with the other two characters that he had drawn. No, no, like Mort is just a vessel, a ve like, a, like a vessel that knows how to navigate this world and happens to be in the right place for him to do what he needs to do, mm -hmm. which mm. is all the better. Um, there's also a little scene where he uh, where he goes like looking for the man in black, you know, again, thinking back to the way Jake described uh, the, 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 the series of events back to back to the past. So Jack Mort death charging Odetta isn't isn't the end because. You know, we get this uh, kind of we get the summation that he followed the news, the newspaper clippings and saw like, oh, her name's Odetta Holmes. And, you know, she recovered. She lived. And so he actually was the person who ended up pushing Odetta in front of the train to kind of finish the job later on. So, again, he, you know, Jack Moore is kind of the linchpin for creating this quartet in a weird way. Yeah, I guess I guess Eddie's the only one that he doesn't really touch because he's got Jake, he's got Odetta. Yeah, um, 
there's a there, there's another connection though. This feels a little bit like a like like Unbreakable or something like that. But um, the person who was driving the car that hit uh, that hit Jake was uh, was Jack Gandolini, or no, it was Balazar. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, yeah. That's uh that, that that shows up later again when it gets into like hey all this stuff is just a little bit too convenient. Hey, Cod did it, but um that that, that is the that is the connection. Like the that, that written ten characters, and that's the only ten he's going to use. <laughs> yeah. Yep, it's uh it's it's not great, but it's there. Who's driving yeah. the car? Who's who's free at this point <laughs> in the story? Uh, <laughs> you'll do. Wait a minute the the robot from Wolves with a Kala? Come on. <laughs> God, you know, you know, everybody in Gilead must have been like, "Oh, Ka made me do it." Oh, it was Ka for just anything you want to do. Like, did, did you break that vase? It was Ka, man. I don't know. It wasn't me. It's Ka. Ka has a reason. <laughs> oh man! And you can just see other people just looking at, "Oh, fuck you!" <laughs> Every single time, like, no, come on, yeah. as they should, as they should. Well, my Ka is about to punch you in the face. <laughs> Oh, man. So all of this leads Roland to think, hey, this guy, uh, probably not the best person to be alive. Um, And he also devises a plan, hoping that Detta doesn't look into the door and see him turning around to check what's happening. Because, you know, it's it's all right here. His plan to thwart Detta is to get her to see herself through the door, but only when he has finished his business. And he 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 devises this by looking out and seeing that Detta has actually laid a trap for him using Eddie. Because he can see her shadow, can't he? Yeah. You can, uh, you can see it uh you can see it all coming together. Like he recognizes right away that uh, uh you know it is it is like a hunting kind of thing where you leave bait and then just wait for wait for the animal to come in. You know, it is a honey pot and that is the name of this next chapter, the honey pot, which happens during the course of this previous chapter. Because Eddie, uh, he done slipped up and fell asleep. He's not having a good day, is he? No. Oh, no. man. You, you gave her the gun. <laughs> then you went to sleep. And you, and you had a nap. Yeah, you had. Odetta made you take a nap. Roland <laughs> made you take a nap. You've had plenty of naps. <laughs> if I told you not to jump off a bridge, would you jump off it? Yeah, you would. <laughs> At a certain point, being a sleepy, sleepy boy is not an excuse. <laughs> oh man maybe, maybe roland should have tried the reverse psychology i want you to give her the gun as soon as you see her <laughs> well no and then I, dad fuck then you. i want you to go right to sleep go to sleep <laughs> oh man so dead has been watching and uh takes a look at this her plan is again to set up this honey the, the, this honey pot but we get a little bit more dissonance here actually because she watches eddie kind of like longingly touch the uh the, the 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 wheelchair right like thinking of odetta and this kind of causes her to have a mo- like a like a moment of mental indigestion it seems like mm. did you guys notice that well, that's a yeah definitely phrase. <laughs> 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 because she has feelings that she doesn't understand it actually makes her makes her stop makes her hesitate recognizes that something is bubbling to the surface and then says apropos of nothing to somebody that she has never acknowledged up to this point saying you're you know you're gone and now you're going to be gone and pretty soon you're going to be gone for good like addressing the odetta inside her i don't know maybe i'm reading too much into it but that's how it came across to me i just think it's a little creepy like seeing eddie like groping on her wheelchair like i mean (laughs) is she gonna like use a tissue and he's gonna go smell it next i mean like (laughs) god i wish i could i could smell odetta's hair right now i wish i could just god just hold her hand i mean he 
But Adam, he's so <laughs> sleepy. <laughs> At least he only touched the hand, not the seat, eh? Yeah. 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 And hey, let's think about this. Roland was probably the last one in that chair. Oh, there we go. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's another moment of dissonance when she starts uh um like again, this is this is just self-talk. Like she notices the contradiction between them trying to keep her alive and also them trying to poison her. It can't be both, right? And we actually see her arrive at, oh, they just wanted to make me throw up so they could humiliate me. Okay, there we go. Like, we see her reconciling these two incompatible truths. Classic there. Yeah. I just, <laughs> uh, I, I dig it. She looks she looks through the door um, and sees that Roland is holding up a drugstore clerk. We're going to get there pretty soon. Don't worry. Love that. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> Roland's I, not dicking around. Like. <laughs> You know, we talked about at the beginning why we chose this episode. I'm pretty ready to just do fake voices for whoever is on the next episode, and oh, let's is. just keep rolling right through it. I'll be <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. I'm Chase or somebody. Whatever. Let's talk. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know if you, um, I don't know if you're aware. You weren't doing a voice there. It was just your voice. <laughs> it was just your voice. <laughs> this is, this, this is um, Evan. Who's Autumn? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And we're pretty close to the end here, so we can just say Eddie wakes up with some pain around his neck. She has tied a noose around his throat, and she's strung him up with slip knots, taken his gun, and then put him at the shoreline um, as the sun is going down and the lobstrosities um, will be coming out. And Eddie himself recognizes this because at one point Henry described the way that the Viet Cong would use uh, honey traps back during the war when Henry was a gunslinger of a sort. And we we end this chapter and we end this episode with the countdown toward impending doom and Eddie staying tense, trying not to strangle himself as, uh, you know, apparently uh, Roland has taken up petty larceny. <laughs> this is that really good description of debt as like calculating meanness, though, isn't it? Like yeah. she spent time on this plan. She sat there and she I think that there's a line along like while you were sleeping, I was I was braiding, I think was it. Yeah. Uh and like it, it shows how easily she can overpower him, even without really using the gun. Like No. <laughs> she's she's got the gun, doesn't need the gun. She's not gonna waste a bullet on Eddie. Bullets are precious. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a threat. Yeah, and only one in four of them actually works. So you know. Yeah, I think it's Sticking really satisfying for everyone. It's satisfying for the reader because mm -hmm. Eddie was wrong. Yeah, it, look now he's choking to death. Um, <laughs> Dead is satisfied because she's got Eddie. She's got this trap, and Roland was right. I mean, everyone except Eddie is really satisfied right now. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it it is again a hall of mirrors of I told you so's. Yeah, now it's a uh, it's it's pretty great. You know, Detta through sheer cunning has. Uh, scene of vulnerability waited patiently for it to expose itself and then used it to you know set up her kind of coup pretty good great great day <laughs> yeah. just all together really good day for her yeah yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> I, so I, i'm going to i'm going to lean just a little bit more into kind of like weird oh uh, let's let, let's say progressivism here. It's pretty good that like, despite her handicap, it never comes up. Like it, it's it, it in no way hindered Detta uh, being able to get the upper hand over this. Like, and we're going to see that in the future. It's not. It's never the fact that she is you know uh, a, a paraplegic that causes problems. 
it's never even really drawn attention. Like no attention is ever drawn to it. Is just the presence of the wheelchair, and even that ceases to be a problem after the fourth book, oh, as and, they as they get rid of this dinosaur of a thing. And once again, everyone is very lucky that she's in a wheelchair because Roland and Eddie would both be dead. And like we talked about, she would be queen of the lobstrosities right now, <laughs> yep. being born on a litter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she she really is terrifying, and she's good. Yeah, just deadly. Um, cool. So uh, I want to hear final thoughts, Autumn. Kind of summaries on this, uh, like on where we're leaving this, on the things that happened here. What, what do you think? I I thought this was solid. We we addressed some of the the bits that were a little strange to the modern reader, but um, all in all, as I said, I'm so excited about what happens in the rest of the book that it's almost painful to be stopping right here. Yeah, that's happened a couple times this season, actually. I don't know if it's it, it's it's so tough because like this has been an, an hour and a half episode. Like if we went the full way, this would be like a three hour long thing, and that's that that's only for a waff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I, I finished the book last night because I couldn't stop myself um, for my for my reread here. Patty, how about you? Um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed that this this chunk of the book is sort of the setup to the to the climax. Really, like we're yeah. we're, we're putting the pieces in place. We're setting up our our tower of cards. <laughs> We've shuffled them, and now we're setting them up. Uh, and then the last chunk, they're they're all going to fall. Um, really good setup. I I like that they're developing the relationships between the characters a bit more as well. I d- love that Eddie. Like they're just painting him as such a stubborn, not listening <laughs> piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> Eddie, don't. Eddie, come on, please learn. Trust Roland for once in your life. Look, li- listen to Roland, or you can get trussed up and left on a beach. You laugh now. <laughs> Ooh, no, happened to me. Yeah, yeah. There's only three people in this world. It's going to happen to someone. <laughs> Flip two um, coins. Like say, yeah, it, it leaves us on like a massive cliffhanger, and I, I wanted to carry on reading. Yeah, uh, straight away. Um. And I probably will when we're finished. Yeah. Just to finish it off, because it's I can't leave a cliffhanger like that. It's too good. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Um, this chapter for me, one of my favorite things about this book is the fact that they are so constrained, right? Um, you know, the idea that when Roland later on finds out, you know, again, the riches of the world that he's wandering into, it puts this whole thing into kind of starker contrast. They're working with such limited resources. They've got any number of timers working against them, like I said. Um, there are so few moving parts in the midworld side of this on the beach itself it is for a story uh that involves interdimensional doors that reach to the biggest city in the world or one of the biggest cities in the world um so (laughs) keeping that in mind this is as much of a kind of like locked room mystery as it can be or like a like a bottle episode almost like it is just these personalities working up and, you know, uh, bumping up against each other and also against kind of the constraints that are set that are, you know, that will do them in, you know, how much time until Odetta turns back into Detta, you know, when does the sunset, when do the lobstrosities come out? When is Roland going to succumb to, uh, to his fever? Like all of that makes this incredibly tense with kind of, again, like I said, very few moving parts. Cliffhanger. Cliffhangers. It's going to be very action-packed next time. But until then, um, let's talk about where people can find us. Autumn, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Mrs. Greer. That's at M-I-S-S-U-S Greer. And I am also in the cool channel on Slack, which is Radio <laughs> Free Midworld. Yeah. Patty, how about you? 
you can find me uh, on Twitter at Paddy Stardust. Um, you can also, if you want to listen to me talk more, uh, follow me on Twin Humanities, which is our Dark Souls podcast we do. Um, we're better than the other one. Hi, Cole. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> we're not. Um, uh, we also do another show called Other Humanities where we talk about comics and books and TV shows we like as well. So enjoy that too. Uh, and I'm also on YouTube in the middle of a one bro run of Dark mm. Souls 1. And I beat Ornstein and Smo. Thank Christ. <laughs> I think last time I was still there, so it's nice to have gotten past that now. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, yeah, come join. It, it's, been, it's been fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go for it. I recommend it. Yeah. Um, and me, you can find me at Cole Ross, uh, K-O-L-E-R-O-S-S, on Twitter and on other shows here on DuckFeed.TV. Uh, programming note, uh, the next episode is going to be, uh, be about the uh, conclusion of the drawing of the three. Before we move on to um, the Wastelands, which I'm very excited about, uh, we're going to be doing another kind of mid-season special kind of thing, talking about the book Rose Matter, which has uh, some uh, a handful of connections uh, to the Dark Tower uh, series. Uh, it's, it's still a little bit tenuous, um, but it's there, um, and uh, looking forward to getting that. It's a T- Stephen King book I've never read before, uh, so it'll be fun to talk about again as we branch out um but otherwise thank you so much for listening uh i've seen the itunes reviews that we've gotten um i thank everybody for their kindness and taking the time to do that some very nice words some good encouragement um it is fantastic autumn patty thank you very much for being on the show patty i know it's very late for you um but yeah it is time for us to go um until next time long days and pleasant nights Cool. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. That was neat. I really enjoyed that. (laughs) Yeah, you guys are both delightful. Yeah. It's the the red hair thing, you know? We've got that that, uh, camaraderie. Fair skins on the beach. (laughs) Oh, Oh, God, this is disastrous. No. No, In in England, there's actually uh, a red-haired, like, appreciation day where they have, like, a parade and a march. Mm. It's in the middle of summer. Oh, gee, that's so cruel. <laughs> At least make it like like the third I'll week of October. Go. Come yeah, on. I'll never go to that because I will not patronize myself by going to a fucking goddamn thing like that. No, Good no. Jeez, no. <laughs> like, come, like, middle of August. Like, no. come on, guys. No, that's a trap. They're, they're trying to thin your numbers. Huge trap. <sighs> Don't fall for it. <laughs> <laughs> We're better than that, surely. <laughs> You know, I, I burnt in half an hour once. That was my record. Oh, 30 God. minutes from zero to pink. Mm. I've, I've got oh, a little pink in my cheeks, like just walking to our mailbox before just to, to get the mail. Like we have a yeah. longer driveway and I've come back in and been a little like, I mean, it'll fade by the next day. But um, yeah, but yeah. it's still it's it still sucks. It's still a reminder of. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I th- thankfully, I don't burn as as easily. However, when Daywalker. I was. <laughs> 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 when, when i was uh well when i last went on vacation last uh last july i got so burnt on the tops of my feet and on the tops of my knees because i forgot to put sunscreen there that i actually got sick and had to and i was basically bedridden for two days on vacation oh. <laughs> I, I always forget to do the put sunscreen on the part in my hair and then i have that great shedding out dandruff um, oh yeah yeah from the, the scalp burn <sighs> back of the knees is where i always forget I did that at a download festival once, and in the very first day, got the backs of my knees burnt, oh, and then couldn't God. sit down properly for the next four days. Yeah. Oh. I had to kind of just waddle back and just fall. 
Anyway. You know, with with quality content like this, do you want us to go ahead and just re-record the outro again, where we can be found? Because I mean, <laughs> I think that this is gold. Uh, this is this is honestly probably going after the outro music. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know, I'm tired of suffering in silence. Exactly. <laughs>